so matt thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate it thanks for having me i appreciate your uh, doing this no problem no problem so um it'd be great if you could just start us off by talking a little bit about your background as far as uh, being in the uh, in the career that you're in and things like that and how you got into it well um it's kind of a long story of how i got here but uh, essentially i was a, a news photographer um been working in several different markets decided i was gonna come to las vegas and uh, i came to las vegas to klas in the year 2000 and i'm still here um i was coming in and the girl i was dating at the time asked me does george knapp work there and i was <laughs> I was like, I, I, yeah, I think so. Why? She's like, oh my God, I listened to him on Coast to Coast. He's the best. I can't believe you're working with George Knapp. And I was like, well, I'm not really. About uh, nine months down the road, his photographer uh, quit to become a, kind of a Mr. Mom. He went home to take care of the kids while his wife worked. She was an anchor here, so it was a good move on his part. And so I applied for the job and got it and it's kind of been ever since i've just kind of been on a pretty wild ride with george for the past 20 years wow that's amazing so did you have any interest in ufos prior to that you know probably a passing interest but i you know i've been very skeptical i've always been very skeptical about it and i think that was a kind of a benefit to getting me on the team was also my skepticism and and also my understanding of cameras you know how things show up on video and on photographs how they you know lenses can can distort things and you know a bug flying too close looks like a, a ufo in the distance and just all those things um and so i think it was helpful for me to you know be around and at least bring some logic and knowledge to when we start looking into these things yeah no that, that, i think that definitely helps to have people you know from that kind of skeptical arena as well as you know other things because if you're just a firm believer and believe anything i don't think it brings as much to the subject so now i appreciate that no i think that's that's kind of the divide that we're in right now there's so many people that just want to believe and yeah. and I, I appreciate that i i get where they're coming from because you know deep down inside maybe we all have a little bit of that but there's not enough skepticism now there's some overall over skepticism with a lot of this stuff <laughs> which is really bs uh you know hence the there's a, a picture behind you on the wall uh, that got a lot of uh flack whenever we put those out um people want to look at it but they don't want to hear the background information they don't want to hear the testimony they don't want to understand that no that, that's not a balloon a pilot saw that with his own eyes and has been seeing those with his own eyes for weeks and weeks at a time um, you can look at it but pay attention to the testimony pay attention to the evidence i think that's what people are overall kind of missing no, absolutely. Um, so obviously working with George, did you find that, because George was obviously covering many, many subjects as well as UFOs, but did you find that George really did teach you a lot over the years as well and bring you sort of more knowledge in, on the subject? Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Huge amounts. And uh, it's still learning, still learning more all the time. Um, I think we all are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was quite an adjustment, you know, I mean, the, I think it was within the first two years we went to um, 
Albuquerque, New Mexico, where Bob Lazar was living at the time. And I got to spend two days with Bob Lazar on his ranch in New Mexico. And it was my first introduction to him right. um, other, other than video. And uh, it was it, it made a big difference in how I actually felt about the subject. When I finally met him and like had dinner with him, met his wife, heard him talking about things other than UFOs, seeing his mini particle collider that he'd built in his backyard. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody can just build a particle collider, right? And start creating your own metal hydride so you can drive a car that doesn't use gas. We, we all do that. <laughs> so that, that really kind of, it, it shifted me a bit and, and kind of made me a little more prone to, to believe in the subject. No, that's interesting. I mean, I wanted to touch upon Bob Lazar. I had it a bit further down my list, but while we're on the subject, I mean, Bob is one of them people and it's one of those accounts that still to this day, people jump between now nah, he's lying or he's, it's not all true. And that, I mean, what would you say to those people that, that still think or do think that he's just made all of this up for, for whatever reason? Well, I think some people just aren't, aren't going to be convinced. They're never going to be convinced because it's an unbelievable story. And right. what do you do with unbelievable stories? You don't believe them. And so it's, it's completely understandable. I mean, I hear it the first time I heard it. I'm just, it's like, how this doesn't make any sense, but, but I also know George and I know the work that he does on everything. The yeah. UFOs are very small part of what, what his journalism career was about. It's a thing he's most well known for, Sure, but uh, it's, it's, he does background and, and people complain about uh, Bob Lazar's uh, educational records, all that sort of thing. It's like, we're seeing the same sort of things happening to Lou Elizondo right now. Yeah. They, they're denying that he even worked at the Pentagon, which was ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. So if they can do that to a guy who's on camera, in your face, government, previously a government official, now working, well, was working with a pretty high-minded group of people, um, what could they do to just some little guy who ran a photo mat in Las Vegas and, and had a contract with EG&G? No, that's, a, that's an absolutely fair point. And I, I mean, I say to people, or one way I look at it, let's say, is that we may never get the full 100% evidence that, that Bob's story is true. But whether it was or not, I think that Bob has brought so much to this story and, you know, Area 51 and mm -hmm. things like that. So, I mean, I think I hold Bob in high regard for that purpose. I mean, yeah, I'm not 100% sold on it, but I, you know, who can gonna, be? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm not going to slate him or say bad things about him or George for that fact. Whereas a lot of people are quite quick to do that. So, yeah. Well, well they uh, they build a lot of, you know, there's a lot of argument about profit making. Um, George is a news reporter. Yeah. Like Bob Lazar didn't make him any more money doing his story. He got the same rate he'd have done if he'd have just continued doing mob stories or politics stories. It didn't change anything. Um, Bob Lazar did not make any money off of his story. It, it has probably hurt his career and even what he's doing now, running uh, his scientific supply store. It's probably not helped him. 
It's not right. been a benefit. He's not rich from it. Is he done well? Is he lived comfortably? Yeah, but that's because of his hard work. It has nothing to do with with UFOs and his stories. So people want to claim profits and they want that and they want to see that as a motivator. Um, you know, we we I don't make a ton of money. I do this because I love journalism and this is just part of what we've gotten into. George yeah. does it because he loves journalism and it's a part of our worldscape now. And and I'm so glad that it's become acceptable because we've been kind of out on a limb for a really long time doing these reports, doing these investigations, getting called UFO kooks. And and now now finally it's become acceptable for the media to report on it. And when they do, they're not playing the X-Files themes and they're not, you know, making funny alien noises. They're actually reporting this is happening. We don't know what it is. No, absolutely. And I mean, um, one thing I think a lot, a lot of people have picked up on when it comes to Bob Lazar is when Jeremy Corbell has made a few statements such as all roads lead to Bob Lazar or lead back to Bob Lazar. I can't remember the exact quote. And I mean, I think some people thought that that may be leading to some new evidence or something coming out. Are you aware of anything like that? Or No, I, I kind of think the the whole statement, just when you think about Bob Lazar and how how it was unrolled to the public who became interested who became curious um harry reed lived in las vegas yeah. um he saw those reports he became curious he started looking into things uh bob bigelow um robert bigelow uh bigelow aerospace and yeah. uh, also you know handling osap and 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 now doing the institute for consciousness studies he was also interested he wanted to meet Bob Lazar. He wanted to fig like shake him down himself because that's that is what what Robert Bigelow wants to do is he he wants to go to space and if yeah. if for some reason there's some technology out there that he can take advantage of, uh, he he's going to exploit it. And so then he gets involved. Well, now you've got Bigelow and Harry Reid now involved in UFOs. Harry Reid's now starts NIDS. I mean, uh, Robert Bigelow starts NIDS, his yeah. own group of, of, of people to, to start investigating these things. It leads to him purchasing Skinwalker Ranch, leads to government studies, leads to now us having this UFO video. So I think when he says all roads lead to Bob Lazar, I think that's what it means. Like he kind of planted a seed that yeah. you, you don't really know what it sprouted into um, because it did it did spur the curiosities of these, these guys who were in good positions to actually do something uh, to study this. Uh, so, that, that makes sense. Definitely. Um, so when did Jeremy come on the scene for you? I mean, was it after a couple of his documentaries or prior and like, how did that, because I know he obviously doesn't work for George or anything, but the combination is, is there. Well, I, I remember, George telling me about some guy that was just relentlessly bugging him and, <laughs> and wouldn't leave him alone. And I think at one point they met and George was still kind of like, I don't know what this, this guy is just bugging me. And I don't, <laughs> and he was relentless about it. Um, and, you know, honestly, and, and I would tell Jeremy this, we probably told him before, like, when he first came on, we were kind of deep into some stuff. We were deep into Skinwalker. We we were aware of the studies taking place out on the ranch and also the greater study that that 
that Robert Bigelow was doing and maybe had more information than we should have. So him coming on the scene and being so strong, we were both kind of taken aback. Like, um, <laughs> And, you know, you look at Jeremy, look at me. I mean, it wouldn't be too far of a stretch to say he's a, a government spook or something. So we were we were real careful to get started with him, but it didn't take long to, to figure out that he was coming from a good place. And uh, he was also able to provide an outlet for a documentary that really needed to happen. Um, George couldn't do it because George is employed by uh, KLAS and yeah. Channel 8. So he was like, you know what? You can do this. And so that's that's kind of what we did. He kind of passed the torch on that. And then we collaborated on the, the hunt for the skinwalker. And we still work together um, as much as we possibly can. You know, we're separated uh, by a border. He's in yeah. California. We're in Nevada. But yeah, we we're, we'll, I'll be seeing him on Monday. So, Oh, nice. Anything yeah. you can hint at if it's anything that... Just fun. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a lot of, lot of business talks. It's mainly just fun. Ah, that's excellent. So with the Skinwalker thing, did you get to spend much time at the ranch yourself? Yeah, I, I spent quite a bit of time out there. I first wow. went out there in 2001 was my first trip out there. And I was just there two weekends ago. Um, wow. I, I personally don't have any experiences that I've taken back from the ranch, but I have heard some really amazing stories. Um, some that have not been published, some that will be published soon. Um, right. And even this last weekend, George and I were told a story that if anyone else would have been sitting there telling it to me, I would have probably gotten up and walked away in five minutes. But the person that was talking to us was so credible. It just was, it was an amazingly frightening story kind of out of the Uinta Basin that really has nothing to do with UFOs, but it was, it's a frightening story. And is that, is that one uh, going to be made public, do you know, or is that just a private we, conversation? We are working on that. Uh, yeah. Right so, now it's a private conversation, but sure. we would definitely like, because his story alone is enough to fill two hours. It's just incredible. Wow. That's intriguing. I have a big passion for Skinwalker Ranch. You know, it's probably one of the only topics within the world of UFOs where it sort of sits on the side in that fringe with other things as well as UFOs. So I'm absolutely fascinated. In fact, I just bought George's book with Cohen Kelleher. So I'm, I can't wait to get through that. So yeah, fantastic. I'd love to go to Skinwalker personally. So maybe one day. Yeah, it, it, it is, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. And uh, I've, Every time I go there, I always joke, I just want to become a rancher. <laughs> like, I don't I don't feel bad feelings. I feel good feelings when I'm there. Um, you know, I can understand maybe if you bring a different temperament to the ranch, maybe that changes things. I don't I don't know. Um, I know that some people who I know personally have brought really positive feelings to the ranch and have still had um had a, um, a sighting of their own. We were there on our last, uh, the last time we shot there before we started the final edit. Um, we were there with a group of people. One of them was a security guy for one of our guests. And I had left, it was late. I'd been working all day and I was exhausted and I talked George into leaving with me. And so we left and this guy was sitting in the the, where the scientists kind of had their setup. He was sitting right. in the, it's like a portable trailer kind of thing. Yeah. 
he's sitting there and he's looking down a hallway and Jeremy comes walking out of the bathroom and I'm walking behind him. And his first thought is, okay, that's weird that Matt and Jeremy just came walking out of the bathroom together. Number one. (laughs) (laughs) And then he said, as soon as that he processed that thought, the figure he thought was me just kind of dissolved and just collapsed. And he, he didn't react and he didn't say anything, but his friend that was sitting next to him was watching him and just, just flat out, just asking what, what just happened? What just happened? He could see a look change on his face and he was like, nothing, nothing, nothing. A little while later, same image walks across his sight line again um, and does the same thing just dissolves as soon as he kind of grapples with oh my god I'm seeing something and again his friend saw his attitude change he didn't see what he saw and um, what was that what are you what is going because this guy's security very straight laced uh, former British military um, and not into it like yeah not as not as seen um, and finally, after they left the ranch, he went ahead and, and told them what had just happened and they were all pretty thoroughly freaked out. That is, yeah, I can imagine that's unbelievable. It's just another part of the mystery. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same thing that happened to the, the person who was taking care of the ATIP program before Lou came along. Right. Um, he was taken out to the ranch. He wanted to see it. He was interested in it. Um, and within a very short period of time, he was, he was shown something, no one else saw it and it freaked him out. And that was the moment that he was like, we've, we've got to study this place. Wow. And he, he helped kind of get the ball rolling and get the the study, the government study out at Skinwalker Ranch, which we still don't know what all happened during that period. Hopefully we will soon. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Brandon Fugel and the team of, of what they're doing. And I know Brandon said that they will start putting out data to the public in the near future. So I'm very excited to see what happens with that. I think it's a, a big benefit to have people outside of his team look at it and analyze it as well. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And they've they've had a change of heart, too. I mean, they they kind of came into it very skeptical yeah. and they haven't had anything that they can they can just put, put their finger on, which nobody has. Everybody's come into this problem. And so, but now they have had enough experiences that, that they're, they're concerned. Yeah. They really are concerned now. Nice. No, definitely a, an exciting and ongoing subject and area, which, yeah, I'll be keeping my close eye on. So, so thanks for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to talk now about the, some of the stuff that Jeremy put out um, earlier in the year, first of all, the USS Russell, and it was the Russell with the, the night vision pyramid, if I, if I recall that's, right. That's... I mean, that one is probably the one that gets the most skepticism, let's say. Um, where I mean, it's very difficult. I, I, I really liked it when it came out, obviously. And now, I mean, I still think it's obviously it's unexplained, but... You know, so many people are saying that it's the Boko effect and all these things. I mean, where do we go from here with this with this particular piece of footage? Well, that's that's difficult. Um, if if Jeremy has spoken 
with the individuals who shot this video. Let's say he has in person and he has testimony from multiple people, not just the person who shot it. I think that leads kind of the same direction. It's like, okay, we're seeing something that can be recreated in another way using uh, a triangular shape hole in the end cap of a night vision goggle, which they don't come with triangular holes. They come with circular holes. Right. So if you were to do this with a military grade night vision, the bokeh effect would be the shape of a circle. It wouldn't be a, a triangle. Um, so that kind of complicates things, but it goes back. You know, he didn't just get sent this video, played it and said, wow, this is really cool. I'm going to put this out immediately. He's right. had that a very long time. Uh, all the stuff that that's been put out this year has been sat on because we can't put stuff out without at least verifying it, tracking it back to who actually shot it, where it came from, the time, the dates, other people who, who corroborate the story. So these people can't go on camera right now. Right. Um, hopefully some of them will be able to, they get out of the military, they can talk about these things, but right now they, they just can't do that. But you know, he has the, the testimony from these people. It, it, it's just, okay, I can release a whole bunch of words and they don't have anyone's name attached to them. What's that going to do? Everyone is going to poo-poo that and Mick West will do a long video. (laughs) So absolutely. So there's more to it and there's other videos that, that are still to be released. Um, It's just same process. They have to be vetted. And um, I've seen amazing video from two different airplanes, uh, two different angles it's just mind-blowing but we got to track it down you've got to find out who who piloted that craft you can't just you can't just run the video because what happens if it is a some sort of artifact or the camera's going out or someone hit it with a laser and it has a burn spot on it like you don't know so it just takes time but is that something that is currently being worked on yeah oh yeah 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 yes absolutely that's really exciting it's good, but just it just seems we're in this little quiet period at the moment, and everyone just seems to be getting bored. And a lot of people are going onto UFO Twitter and just attacking each other. And you know, I, I'm certainly not doing that. I'm doing my interviews and things like that. But I think we just need something more to come back into and sort of get us all g'd up again, let's say. Um, but I guess we were just talking about the Russell. The similar thing with the Omaha, obviously. You know, the the due diligence done in the in the investigation behind the event, let's say. So. But obviously, well, I think that one. Sorry, go, go ahead. On. No, you go ahead. Didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, I was just going to say, you know, there was a little bit more with that one. There was the video, the the slides, the uh, the radar data. So that one obviously had a little bit more. But then again, people still poo pooed it, and I, I mean, you can't please people sometimes, can you? I mean, no. And you know, there the Puerto Rico, the was it Aguadilla? Aguadilla, yeah what what is this like that is okay i can understand the the omaha video without all the other stuff that goes with it just the video i can see what you could you could play it down you could make it into something else that's fine except for the fact that it's holding still the wind is blowing they've been watching it for extended periods of time but we'll just ignore all that we'll just look at the video as (laughs) it is no other information okay what about the video from Puerto Rico? 
you're going to, so you can look at that video. You can watch it as many times as you want. Something's going on. That is not normal what's happening in that video. And it's yeah. very similar to what was happening um, with the Omaha. Yeah, definitely. I mean, is the Omaha case now done and dusted as far as evidence and information? Or do you know if there's still things possibly being looked at regards to that? Um, I mean, it's always, you know, I think, and it's what people want is they want the testimony. They, yeah. You know, when Dave Fravor came out and talked about his experience with the Tic Tac, it completely changed that video. Yeah. Um, that video was interesting, but it was kind of like, eh, it's not great. But then when you have the, the human being, uh, a commander, a naval commander who is one of the top pilots probably in the country, more than likely the world, has yeah. done amazing things. When you have testimony coming from someone like him, it completely changes the, the game on that. And anyone who can look in his eyes and say the things to him that I've read and seen on Twitter... I would love to see that. I would love to see someone brave enough to do that because um, he's a serious guy and he would not take it very well. Yeah, understandable. Absolutely. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, obviously we've had a lot of things going on this year with the June 25th UAP task force preliminary assessment. Did you, um, did you have any expectations before that came out? Did you, you know, where, where did you sort of, lay your expectations in the lead up well i had kind of thought that honestly and i i wasn't sure but i thought some of those slides that we acquired from the the, the classified report i thought some of those would be in there as well i thought they would give more specific examples yeah i i was pretty surprised that they came out and said like out of all these cases we have we we've figured out two of them it's like oh Oh boy, that's that's pretty amazing. But it also read much like a, a UAP report from the 1950s. You know, it was like, hey, we don't know what these are. We know they're not ours. We know they're not this. We know they're not that. We don't know. We don't know what they are though. So we also don't know that they're alien. And everyone kind of hung up on that. It's like, well, they said that they're not alien. It's like, no, they just said we don't know what these things are. They they're not defining them. They don't have a definition right now. We don't know what they are. We don't know if they're interdimensional. We don't know if they're from another planet. We don't know if they're right here. Are they protecting us from ourselves? Are they, are they here just to observe? We don't know any of that stuff. And anyone who comes out and, and says that they know this stuff, they're, they're out of their minds. They don't. And I'm glad that they're curious, but I, I wish people would hold off a bit with you know jumping to conclusions. No, absolutely. I think a lot of people still unfortunately hear the the ufo word or even uap and they just instantly associate it with aliens and extraterrestrial they they don't see that middle piece um, where it needs to really be investigated and concluded so yeah but yeah. that's understandable to some degree for maybe for people that aren't involved in the subject as deeply as, as some of us but um so how do you, what are your thoughts now on moving forward with the national defense authorization act for next year for 22 with the potential UAP office taking over from the task force? Do you think that's something exciting or? I think it is. I think, you know, it's going to need congressional oversight, which it should have. I think that's really important. And, you know, I, 
it's one of the few times I can remember in recent history that I, I look back on a few of our politicians and I'm kind of proud of what they're doing and how they're, they're doing things in a bipartisan way. Yeah. Um, you have people from both sides of the aisle who are interested in this and they feel like it's an important subject and you have people you wouldn't expect. I mean, I really wouldn't have expected Marco Rubio to, to come out and, and be so forward with this, with this topic. That's unexpected, but I'm happy that he is because it, when we divide this topic into left and right, we're, it's just going to destroy it just like it has everything else. And, and it, it begins to get that way whenever people keep hearing that we need to study this for our own security. Some people hear, yeah, we do, because this, this is scary. And we, we also need to be on the forefront of technology. And if there's a way we can, we can utilize this. And then you also hear the people saying, oh, it's the military industrial complex, just just reaching out for more money. It's like, well, we, we can go down that path. But, you know, who else is going to do it? Who else yeah. is going to do it to the stars? Isn't going to do it. We can't do it here at Channel 8. It takes a big organization with a lot of money. And 22 million is not much money. You can ask Robert Bigelow. The money they gave him for his study is not he spent he lost money on that project and was happy to do it he just saw it as they're going to help him not they're going to fund the whole thing yeah no that makes sense absolutely uh well listen matthew so much thank you so much i think that's covered everything um i'm just really interested to see what all of you guys over there at mystery wire continue to do and bring out in the future you know it's it's one of the most reputable um media outlets when it comes to ufos so yeah I'm excited and, and thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. And stay in touch. And then, um, yeah, we'll talk again in the future when things hopefully evolve in a, in a positive direction. Yeah. Let's hope they heat up again. Yeah. Take care. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye now.